0: censorship-resistant inflation data by Chainlink, pay on Twitter with Dogecoin, and why Warren Buffett doesn't get Bitcoin. That and more in the Crypto Market Talk this week. In this week's episode, we will talk about Bitcoin and Ethereum, of course. Then we'll talk about a very interesting dashboard that has been powered by Chainlink. We will quickly have a look at a new token standard that could potentially start DeFi summer 2022. That is why we'll discuss Yearn Finance. We will have a quick look at Dogecoin, Solana, and Sandbox. Now, before I jump into Bitcoin, I think we should discuss this report here by citizen.org, mainly talking about crypto lobbyists and crypto lobby industry. Now, quite interestingly, we can see that the numbers of crypto lobbying spending in 2018 was just 2.2 million US dollars with about 47 crypto lobbyists in total. Now, looking at the numbers of 2021, we can see that the numbers have actually increased to 9 million US dollars and 157 crypto lobbyists. Big question, of course, is here who is behind those spending numbers? And what we can see here, one of the biggest spenders is, of course, Coinbase with 1.5 million US dollars and 26 lobbyists. We can also see that Ripple Labs, for example, is here as well 1.1 million, 14 lobbyists. Very interestingly, we can see Stellar Development Foundation with 590,005 lobbyists, hence why probably they were selected or their CEO was selected in order for uh, discussing specific topics in front of the parliament. And then we also have the Bitcoin association with just 320,000 and three lobbyists behind it. Now, what has caught my eye as well is, is this one. We can see that the crypto allied businesses and groups that lobbied on crypto issues in 2021. And we can see meta platforms. So formerly Facebook has also a lot of crypto lobbyists. Now on one side, you have Facebook that bans cryptocurrency advertisements. You have Facebook that invests into the metaverse but doesn't really appreciate open networks and obviously wants to build their own. But at the same time, they are bringing lobbyists into the industry. So I would say both good and bad news at the same time and I do believe that the lobbying numbers will increase in the coming years even further. But let's discuss Bitcoin of course. Let's discuss or start with this most important news story of the week. MicroStrategy is buying 191 million US dollars worth of Bitcoin. The company MicroStrategy and we shouldn't forget MicroStrategy is actually an IT company so they have this separate company called MacroStrategy and they are buying Bitcoins. So uh, the software company MicroStrategy is still a company that is technically focused on producing IT products and services. So they have bought uh, Bitcoin in the last couple of weeks with an average price of 45,714 US dollars per Bitcoin, which is actually a bit higher than where we are right now at currently 41,000 US dollars Bitcoin price. That essentially means MicroStrategy bought a bit uh, higher than usual because MicroStrategy actually gets a very good average pricing out of all of their Bitcoin buys in the past. And especially if we average it out until now uh, still looks pretty, pretty good. Now, interestingly, they haven't paid for these Bitcoins by from their own pockets. They actually took uh, a so-called cash loan in order uh, to buy additional Bitcoins. And the interesting part here is that that cash loan came out of a collateral that they gave via Bitcoin. So they gave Bitcoin as a collateral, got a cash loan, and with that cash loan, they bought more Bitcoin. Interesting, of course, is that MicroStrategy is now one of the biggest holders of Bitcoin worldwide. Again, they are holding around 129,000 Bitcoin, which is about something worth between five to six billion US dollars, depending on the price. Talking about Bitcoin, one guy that doesn't get Bitcoin, according to Peter Thiel, the former founder and co-founder of PayPal, is Warren Buffett. He even calls him a sociopathic grandpa from Omaha at his talk that he gave last week at the Bitcoin conference. The Bitcoin conference was held in Miami last week. Some very interesting people coming. Nayib Bukele, the president of El Salvador, couldn't attend, but one other very important person was Peter Thiel. He gave a very interesting uh, presentation, also talking about the uh, original start of PayPal, what he did, how he did it, what their vision was. And at the same time, there is a talk by him from 1998, I believe, or 1996, where he actually talks about this idea of electronic cash, of digital cash. And of course, PayPal originally started also off with that idea, with creating something digital, something electronic that can be used essentially by everyone. They even thought that mobile phones would be kind of distributed all over the place and everyone could be able to transact with their mobile phones essentially what we have right now with the Lightning Network, with mobile phone wallets and our mobile phones in general. Next to Warren Buffett, he sees Jamie Dimon, so the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, as well as Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock, as so-called finance gerontocracy. And he's not a big fan of the, let's say, the trad-fight world, the traditional finance world. He's saying that the major developments of this technology and this industry will actually come from the technology space. Quite an interesting talk. If you want, it, want to give it a listen, uh, you can find it on YouTube under the Bitcoin Conference. Now, what does that mean for the Bitcoin chart? Currently, as I've mentioned, the price sits at around $41,500. And last week, I mentioned that this kind of clean break throughout the 44,000 and resulted in a retest which was also very good and I expected it to go higher now up until 50,000. That unfortunately didn't happen and now we're back at the discussion of where could Bitcoin potentially fall in a more bearish scenario. Now according to Fibonacci our number would be 28,600 US dollars. I would actually draw that range a bit higher and I would set it between 20 six and 30k so for me this is a very important also psychological number of course that a lot of the crypto community is following so the 30k line is still in play and i would say until we kind of go again over the 44k in a clean way i cannot see how we won't retest uh, the 30k line going forward Now, what about Ethereum? One very interesting article that came out is can Ethereum's Merge Kickstart DeFi Summer 2022? Now, of course, in summer 2020, it was a bit vice versa. The DeFi Summer of 2020 kickstarted the essential bull run, crypto bull run that we've had more or less for pretty much uh, one and a half to two years. Now, back then it was the DeFi blue chip protocols that we call blue chip right now, such as Yearn Finance, Compound, Uniswap, uh, Aave, all of these platforms actually came out, were released and um, the whole craziness of DeFi started um, started going in that summer. Now a lot of people have used that DeFi summer to make a lot of money in a short period of time. Of course using the different farming and yield farming opportunities that DeFi gives you. However they did pay a lot of gas fees of course to move that money around and gas fees is a big topic for ethereum still. So the article is going into that uh, area of saying the merge, so the move from proof of work to proof of stake could potentially kind of kickstart back this idea that we will transact with the blue chip nft at uh, blue chip defi projects going forward. However, not a lot of people know this but the fee structure won't change with the merge. So Even if we move from proof of work to proof of stake, the fees will still be fairly high. Of course, there will be a small correction, but at the same time, the fees won't be reduced as much. We will see a fee reduction in a second or third step that would happen uh, in a couple of months, probably more in a couple of years. So I would say this is more of a buy the rumor, sell the news type of event, event where you can potentially buy Ethereum now at a fairly good price, or even at the two and a half thousand range which we will see in a couple of seconds, and then trade it up to 8,000, maybe ten thousand, depending on whom you want to believe. And I think there, as soon as people do realize that this uh, buy the rumor, sell the ru- sell the news event will happen, and the fees will stay high, then I think the sell-off will start. Now, long-term, I still believe Ethereum is an interesting trade and a, a very, very interesting th- technology. So I still believe long-term's case of Ethereum is very very strong. Someone else that believes this is Mark Cuban, billionaire basketball team owner of the Dallas Mavericks and tech entrepreneur. He's also quite bullish on Ethereum. He mentions two reasons. On one, he's uh, saying the importance of Ethereum going to proof of stake. So for him, this is also fairly important. And secondly, he's saying, and that is a very, very important point, is the less Ether issuance. So less Ether going around or being distributed essentially will make it more deflationary and that in turn will cause a price pressure upwards for Ethereum. What does that mean for the chart? If we have a look at it here, I mentioned this two and a half thousand line, but again, very similar as in Bitcoin's case, we can see there was a correction. The retest happened, but it wasn't kind of fulfilled completely. We didn't go towards the 4,000 US dollars as I expected, but it was more of a correction. Currently, we're sitting at around 3,000 US dollars. The bears are calling for two and a half K. According to Fibonacci, we're looking at 2.4. I would say 2.4 to about 2.5 is an interesting range that you could potentially trade should we turn more bearish going forward. Now, what about the DeFi blue chip project that we just talked about? One of those is, of course, Yearn Finance. They are leading the way currently and adopting a new token standard. Now, token standards, usually the very important ones for us, are just two ERC 20, which is a daily Ethereum or ether token that you can trade that is essentially fungible. And you have the ERC 721 token standard, which is the non fungible token. And you guessed it, that's an NFT. So NFTs usually are ERC 721 and ERC 20 are very similar as to daily money fungible tokens. Now there's also this new token standard called ERC 4626 and this token standard essentially uh, gives you kind of a kind of a tool set when it comes to um, vaults, especially yield um, yield bearing assets. So let's say in the case of Aave, with the Aave vault, it works like this. You have, for example, an Ethereum token, you put it into a vault and you get ETH out of that. And that A token, that specific token is like a receipt kind of showing that you have a yield bearing asset in your uh, or or kind of owning that asset and the thing is this ERC4626 standard is essentially allowing you to kind of um, not hack together or build together this um usual experience that we are seeing from many different uh, defi protocols so any kind of a token or compound's c token or sushi's x token that we're getting is currently very kind of hand-built more or less and with the token standard or with the new token standard you will essentially get kind of a framework that you can use already which will be much much safer to use much more secure and that in turn of course could potentially also be another reason why we will see a DeFi summer 2022. what does that mean for the yearn finance chart not a lot to be honest the chart hasn't reacted very positively to this news at all, but I always say when in doubt, zoom out. And when I zoom out, I can see clearly see still a very interesting trend line that is in play here. Still respected, very close to breaking the trend line though. So it will be interesting to see how much further we can go. If we break this trend line, I would say around 7,000 US dollars could be the next interesting range. But we have to keep in mind, Yearn Finance as a business is still printing a lot of money they are releasing quarterly uh, earnings or quarterly reports as well as your year- yearly reports that is very very interesting to read by the way and that in turn in my opinion is still undervalued so have a look at those yearly reports maybe uh, do some fundamental analysis and combine that with the chart and that i think could be an interesting um, investment going forward now, what about Solana? We've talked about Solana in the past a little bit here. And what we can see here that the DApp TVL, so the decentralized total value lock numbers have actually gone down a bit. So what we can see here is that they've gone down from, I want to say mid-March or beginning of March, it's essentially from around 60 million US dollars uh, or 60 million Solana tokens, excuse me, up until uh, 42 million Solana tokens. And that is, essentially is a decrease of what almost a 20, 30%, something like this, which is fairly high considering that Solana is actually touting to be the fastest D app or the fastest D app provider and so on. So I think the competition area with the de- decentralized applications is getting very strong. Now, at the same time, it is not the only kind of um, network, of course, and also uh, some networks or some decentralized apps are actually performing much better than others. So while we can see, for example, here, Solana Art is getting and Sabre is getting hammered when Solent, for example, minus 30%, minus 22%, minus 50% in the amount of users, we can see that for example, Orca decentralized exchange on Solana is gaining 203% in the last couple of days. Same with Magic Eden. Magic Eden is essentially the equivalent of OpenSea, on an NFT marketplace for Solana. Now, these developers are not the only people building on Solana. We also have venture capitalists and previous entrepreneurs building on Solana. For example, we can see Justin Kahn's crypto gaming marketplace, Fractal, is uh, raising 35 million US dollars. Um, also kind of financed by Andreessen Horowitz, by Coinbase, by Solana Labs. Also Magic Eden, I just mentioned it, 27 million US dollars raised in order to bring NFTs essentially to, um, to a bigger audience. So the, when asked about why Solana, why specifically Solana, for example, Justin Kahn said uh, it's the best user experience for users, gamers, and game companies. And looking at kind of the decentralized application numbers, We can still see, for example, OpenSea. So NFT marketplace still number, absolute number one here with uh, around 489,000 traders in the last 30 days. Volume is about 2.6 billion in the last 30 days. So a lot of catching up to do, for example, some for something like Magic Eden, Although we have to say OpenSea is also running on Solana. Very new, very fresh integration. Last week, they just uh, opened up that integration for OpenSea. So that of course means more NFT trading on Solana happening on OpenSea. Now, one thing we can have a look at, again, um, is here a very interesting headline, not directly with crypto, but kind of indirectly, if you will, a censorship resistant inflation index is being built on Chainlink. Now, the ex-CTO of Coinbase, Balaji Srinivasan, has mentioned or kind of urged Web3 developers to build something like an inflation or a true inflation project, uh, building crypto technology. And the result of this was a true inflation. So the real inflation index you don't need to trust because it's decentralized. It gets data from different uh, data sources and that data source provider is, of course, Chainlink. We can have a look at the data sources here. And of course, when it comes to inflation data, the kind of weighted basket is very, very important. And in this case, we have it all transparently here. We can have a look at it and we can also have a look at the dashboard, meaning we can see... The real or true inflation rate right now, I want to say this is US specific, but it could be worldwide, but I want to say it's still US, um, is 13.5%. And very interestingly, true inflation category year over year growth is the highest for food And transportation. So these are, of course, on one side because of supply chain issues, on the other side because of kind of electricity prices that are going up. Of course, these two categories will go up. Interestingly, as well here is the category importance of the category food where we can see corn wheat soybeans coffee sugar cocoa and so on so very very interestingly done i think it's a it's going to be a very important dashboard going forward especially considering that we see sometimes single digit sometimes double digit numbers in terms of inflation so it will be interesting to see what true inflation will provide in terms of data again very bullish for chainlink of course not a lot of reaction to the chart i would say but uh, still very important and kind of shows us how important Chainlink is to the DeFi ecosystem. Then the last two coins that we're talking about is Sandbox on one side. The Metaverse project has announced a partnership with Ledger. Now Ledger is of course the crypto wallet company and they want to educate people about crypto security using the virtual reality of Sandbox. So imagine you're in the metaverse, you're playing in virtual reality, doing some stuff and at the same time you can get a presentation by a a user that is also working for Ledger teaching you about crypto security. Makes total sense in my opinion and hence why Sandbox makes perfect sense for a partnership there because obviously on one side you have metaverse you have NFTs and Ledger at the same time last week brought out their hardware wallet that can also support NFTs. Quite interesting partnership. Again, makes total sense from my perspective. For the chart, didn't make a lot of kind of difference if you want. Uh, I've I drawn here. I've drawn here kind of interesting zones for me. The Sandbox chart is getting hammered left and right and I think it is because on one side the partnerships are very strong but the, maybe the usage numbers are just not there yet. There is strong competition coming from Meta as well. So it will be interesting to see whether the chart will be able to recover and here we can see the price currently 2.74 and I want to say If this actually breaks, we could potentially see around 190, maybe to two US dollars as a potential chart. Last but not least, we should also discuss the big news that happened last week in the technology world. Uh, Tesla CEO and SpaceX CEO billionaire Elon Musk has bought 9.2% of Twitter, and a lot of people expected some very crazy stuff happening to the Twitter product, but he was actually tweeting a lot and explaining a lot of different things that he would like to do with the product, one of which is essentially using dogecoin to pay for twitter blue now twitter blue is a paid service that is completely ad free i think it costs around two or three us dollars uh, per month but he's even saying that the option of paying in dogecoin could be a potential now with twitter in the past we've had of course jack dorsey big fan of bitcoin a lot of rumors uh, swirled around saying that twitter could potentially integrate the lightning network then jack dorsey left twitter surprisingly and twitter integrated Ethereum in a beta test as well. And now Elon Musk is coming and bringing maybe Doge to Twitter. Now, of course, to the Doge chart, this has had a little bit of a positive influence, of course, because Elon Musk, big fan of Dogecoin. But at the same time, There was this correction that we've all felt, of course, next to the Bitcoin price as well. For me, an interesting zone here still at around uh, 10 to 11 uh, cents, US dollar cents, of course. So this could still be interesting, but don't forget Dogecoin is a meme coin, meaning it could go to zero and it would be just a meme that would go to zero. So don't kind of uh, bring your major finances into Dogecoin. Just keep it as a meme coin uh, asset in your portfolio, if you will. That was it from the Crypto Market Talk this week. Make sure that you subscribe to this channel to not miss any important crypto news. I will see you on the next one. Have a good one.